If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. This is another of our popular listeners' choice interviews which we're playing over the weekend. We've chosen the most popular interviews for you to select the listeners' choice winner. If you're not sure how the listeners' choice competition works, have a look at horsechats.com slash choice for the rules and the leaderboard. Our guest today is Claire Wickens. Claire's a Grand Prix competitor, trainer and coach, and she's also had a successful show career. She breeds warm bloods. And the main thing we'd like to talk to her today after we've introduced her is she's using cross-training to keep her dressage horses ethically beautiful. How are you today, Claire? Very well, thanks. Great. Claire, a favourite quote. Have you got one for us today just to get you going and introduce you? Um, I always say to my clients to ride forward and that the impulsion is the desire to move forward and that's the most important. If the horse is going forward and it's in front of your leg, then you can fix everything. Okay, okay. I think that's quite good for someone just starting off in dressage right through to the Grand Prix riders. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Claire, Tell us a bit about your first memories with horses. Do you remember the first time you saw a horse, rode a horse, any of those early memories? Um, I grew up in Hong Kong Mm -hmm. and I started riding at the age of three. My mother rode for pleasure and she enjoyed it but was just part of her life and I was insanely passionate about it and my family had no idea where it came from. (laughs) And, yeah, I started riding at the Hong Kong Jockey Club at three years of age and then I used to ride a pony called Parsley and we had an English instructor and she was very strict and did all sorts of things that <laughs> not allowed today, mm-hmm. like tied her elbows back, tied her ponytails to her belt, tied <laughs> her feet to the stirrups. We used to ride without stirrups, without reins. We used to jump like that. I rode in a saddle pad, which I think is really important because it um, teaches as a young rider to feel the horse. Like, yeah. So many kids ride in a big saddle and they can't actually feel the horse. So it was just, it was almost like a jockey's pad. It was a felt pad with a tiny bit of thin, bit like calfskin leather. Um, and I rode in that, but we had to behave. We had to follow the leader. It, in Germany, it was very regimented. We had to have two horses length. And, you know, you, you've learned. But the, riding like that, it's quite good just to keep you aware, you know, it's a bit, it creates discipline, but it creates that self-discipline, doesn't it? You know, so you're always yeah, aware and you're, and you're becoming safe. You're always aware of that two horses distance and you're always aware of other riders. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so from there, that's a big jump then to having a career with horses and you're very heavily involved now with your own horses and stud and competing and everything else. What made you have a career with horses? Was it one decision or was it because as a three-year-old you're insanely passionate and that was always going to be the case? No, I always thought that I would do something else 
and then have horses on the side. Yep. And I'd badgered my parents for, for a horse for years and years. And I got, I, we moved back to Australia when I was seven. I didn't get a horse till I was 12. And then I, um, I wanted to leave school at year 10 and, you know, be more invested in riding. Mm-hmm. And my father said, no, no, you have to, you know, finish year 12. And he, we sort of had an agreement that if I finish year 12, I could have a year off before university and um, go overseas and, and ride overseas. And he was an accountant and he wanted me to do a Bachelor of Business. So I went into Bachelor of Business and I hated it, mm-hmm. just hated it. And I was writing and teaching and coaching and training on the side. And then, um, yeah, I did half the degree and I dropped out you know, as business was going well, and, yeah, it just sort of progressed from there. I thought you were going to tell me you didn't actually go to uni and you wouldn't be the first guest yeah. that I've had here that said, <laughs> I took 12 months off, you know, and then just after yeah. that 12 yeah. months I never went back, yeah. yeah. Some, sometimes I wish I'd finished it and had two or three horses because it's, <laughs> it's a very enjoyable life, but it's also it's hard. It's a sure, hard slog. Sure. Like everybody thinks, you know, we have the best, but we have to put – I have to put the client's horses first. So often mine get left, you know. So what about the people who want to start in the horse career? What sort of core skills or character traits do you think that they need to have? They're going to start off, they say, right, well, I want to work with horses, have a career with horses. I mean, if you were going to hire someone or employ someone or recommend someone, what sort of core skills or character traits would they need? They've got to be willing to learn and be open-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, I was only talking to somebody yesterday that I can learn from a show jumper or a carriage driver or a Western pleasure rider. I can learn from a horseman. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be a dressage diva. Mm. I can learn from the farrier. Yep. I can yep. learn from the chiropractor. You, your mind's got to be open and it's got to absorb all that information. And, store, and you might think today that's not relevant, but four years down the track, you might think, yes, yes, it, you know, I remember he said this. Um, you've got to surround yourself by a great network of people. That's taken me a lifetime to get, you know, like yes. barriers and chiropractors and vets and, and that they and that you have a huge trust with them and you both know where you stand. Um, I think now there's a lot of really good courses people could do. I sort of wish that um, I was on Facebook the other day, there was a, a race course saying, you know, we want you, we'll train you, we'll give you a certificate, we'll find you a job. Um, I think that's great. I know Marcus do a great course down in Melbourne, you know, and I think there's a lot of TAFE courses. I think that's a good backup to have. Mm-hmm. And I was going to say, and of course, that at um, Osmentecker Online Horse College, um, yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, yeah. Now, it's a lot broader though, isn't it? You know, do you see the horse industry opening up a lot more than it used to be? You know, the fact that more pe- there's more different types of careers in the horse industry. It's not just go and work as a groom and that's pretty much, you know, the end of your career. But it's a lot broader now. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, you could, you could work for IRT, or, you know. Yeah, exactly. I with horses, that would yep. that would be a brilliant job, you know, something Charlie. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. I, I wonder though, you know, is it like the airlines where 
and the people go out and they travel, but they don't actually get off and see the country. You've still got to want to do the travel, haven't you? You know, I mean, if you work there, and yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. people that don't know, that would be international racehorse transport. That's what you mean, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. 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 The, the, they actually go out, travel with the horses, but then go out with the horses to the new homes and to meet and network with people from different countries. It would be good. And, yeah, it is. It, there's a lot of different careers. Yeah. Yes, there are. What do you think is the best thing about working in the horse industry? I find, I don't know why, I just find it easier working with animals and people. Yep. I don't know, I feel like I have a, I, don't, I can communicate better with them. Mm-hmm. They become my friend. It, it's really hard for me, like breeding, um, it's my business. Yep. It's really hard. They're my children. For me, I don't have children and they're my babies and I adore them and, when I sell them, like when I sold Worldwide and Rolex, I was in tears. When I sold Rolex, yeah. I was hysterical for months and months and months. It was, you know, a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. So I, I enjoy, you know, that camaraderie, that friendship, that um, I have one mare now that's super, super talented, but she's a complete diva. I often call her Mariah Carey. <laughs> and I and and sometimes I just hold her and I just say, No, this is not gonna happen. <laughs> and it, I don't know, she must speak English. She goes, All right. And she's addicted to licorice all sorts. And she? and she gets she gets bribed. It like on a good day she has licorice um afterwards and on a brilliant day she gets licorice all sorts. And she <laughs> knows when the the all sorts are in the cupboard, and she knows when that cupboard opens. <laughs> She's just like piafing in the tie up. She just gets so excited. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. you know, and and it's nice if you can. I enjoy um, working with mares and stallions, which I know a lot of riders find difficult because it does take longer. Sure, but if you get it right with them, mm. they give their all. Yeah. You know, if you can get a relationship that's really solid that you both understand, then that's what I enjoy, getting that connection. I can't see we're not on video, but I think when I said the last question, you know, what's the best thing about working with horses, I think your eyes glazed over because you just went yeah. into this, oh, so much, you know, and just it was almost like a different different tone in your voice when you started talking yeah. about the best yeah. thing, working with horses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now the next thing, just tell us about, someone or, or a couple of people who've influenced you and helped you in your career? Because you actually went overseas, you said, when you finished school, yeah, or people have helped you in Australia. Who do you think has been influential in helping you even the way you ride or career decisions or anything like that? Well, I was very lucky that um, my parents um, paid for a lot of lessons when I was younger mm-hmm. and and then I started working from 14 and I, I from then I paid for myself. and. Um, I had a lot of training with. I lived on the same road as the Dirks, and oh, Clemens yeah. helped me. Yep, and and he he was absolutely great. And I used to go down there every holidays and every weekend, and and just help and absorb and learn and watch and yeah. And in exchange, I'd have a lesson when I helped out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Clemens was super. And then I also trained with uh, Matthew Dowsley. Yep, and. Same sort of principles, you know, just very correct, solid, basic foundations. Um, at when I was at Pony Club, they brought out a German instructor, well, Swiss instructor actually, but he was working and living in Germany, um, Christian Plager, and 
at lunchtime he used to um, do some talks and I I just I used to sit there with my notebook and write down every word. I was just captivated. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, I actually, when I went to Europe, I spent some time with him. Um, and then my family's from England and we used to go and feed Ferdy Alberg. I used to have some lessons with Ferdy. Mm-hmm. And I also did some training on two occasions with Ferdy, and yeah, I loved Ferdy. He, um, he, I had like a school horse when I was there, and um, he would say, "Shoulder in," and we would do like the horse was so um, patient with me. He'd yep. just say, "Shoulder in, shoulder in circle, shoulder in medium trot, shoulder in half pass, yep. shoulder in in medium trot, shoulder in in a slow." Trot like um, now have too much bend now have too much angle, and and then how to correct it. Yeah, and then we did that with every single movement, mm-hmm. and that was invaluable. Yeah, yeah. Do you know And I think that's what there aren't many decent school horses in Australia. And when I had Rolex and Worldwide at the end of their career, I tried to offer lessons, and people don't really want to pay for that. I don't know. They probably the, didn't the, understand the value. Yeah, you know, they, the yeah, they didn't so, understand. Yeah. yeah, because it's just brilliant to be able to sit on something that, if you don't have the perfect timing, the flying change will be late. Mm, mm. You know, yeah, and um, yeah, that's what it, it's. It's very hard as a rider to be learning as your horse is learning. Yeah, so it's yeah. it's a gift yeah. almost. Do you know what I mean? To be mm. able to sit on a schoolmaster and learn those invaluable lessons. That do you mean in ten minutes you can learn what might take you six months? Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot-off-the-press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available, and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now, and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and click on the 101 Careers in the Horse Industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine, maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. I think that's like you were saying people don't... You know, it's the cost, but I think if you look at the cost and look at the value and you compare, yeah, you learn in 10 minutes what you could learn in six months, then that becomes value. Yeah. You know, that even though the cost yes. is the initial cost is high. Yeah, no, I can understand what you mean. Yeah. Okay. No, that's that's really good. I was going to say next about horses who've influenced you and you've talked about Worldwide and Rolex. Is there anyone else you'd like to talk about or you'd like to talk about them a little bit more? Yeah, Um I had I bought a horse when I was twenty one um, called HRH, um, and he was brilliant genius, but also a bit of a lunatic. Yeah, and that he taught me a lot. Yes. Mean? and he yes. he got the highest score at CDI for numerous years. Um, he got in I think it was two thousand. He got seventy two point eight percent. Yeah, and yeah, it, it was a you know, and he, he got numerous nines from the international judges, uh-huh. and yeah, he he taught me patience and understanding, yeah. and um, who knows whether 
they can't talk to us whether that he was in pain or he was there was just a screw a bit loose. Yep. But he'd have a he, he I I once went to nationals and he came last in the um <sighs> what was the present is now the present George challenge, it was the Samsung Cup. And um there was a flag in the corner and he just absolutely refused to go in that turn right and go mm. in that corner. Mm-hmm. And then 40 minutes later, I had to do my freestyle and I changed my freestyle as I went. Like I had okay, a yes. freestyle, but yes. I, I went, oh, I'm not turning right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I went in and, and was trying to calculate as I was going through, I've done a left half pass, I've done a right half pass, I've done this extended trot. Anyway, an hour later, he won the freestyle. You know, and yeah. it was a very tumultuous relationship, that one. Yes, yes. But it's made me feel the brilliance and the lightness and, like, he just did the most amazing flying changes, you know, to, to feel the horse sail underneath you. And then also the disappointment of failing and, and not being able to achieve just the simple transition. And I suppose from him I learnt that it's taken me a long time to learn what horse fits me. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I try to say that to my clients and the riders. Um, think of the personality of your horse and think of the personality of you and try and work out at an early stage, like, don't take as long as I did, um, what suits you. Yes. So, I mean, if you're a bit excitable, you actually need a, quite a horse. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you're on a hot horse, you both need a bit of yoga then yes, you, know, yes. you need to, to to just relax before you get on. And yeah. I've for me I've worked out that temperament is so important. You battle with for me a lesser horse, mm-hmm. a less talented athletic horse that will uh, allow you to imprint on them. Okay. And yeah. you know, manage them and, and say, give me a bit more. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe build that communication that that they'll let you into their heart and soul and you say, come on, and they want to please you. Yes. And so that's where I went with Rolex and Worldwide is I had the temperament. Yes. And that's what Worldwide has added to my breeding program and I am I want to ensure that that continues is a really rideable temperament. And his son, Wicked, who's my stallion now, um, when he had the stallion classification, he got 10 for rideability. Mm-hmm. And the German classifier said to me, do you realise I have never given a 10 to a stallion anywhere in the world? He said, yeah. I've given a 10 to a mare. He said, I've never given a 10 in Australia, and I have never given a 10 to a stallion. But he thought, um, Wicked was three, and I, wa- I took him. He's very quiet, and I thought he'd be a bit dull here. So I took him to somebody else's arena and I warmed him up for three minutes. And I said, okay, we're ready. And he yep. said, are you serious? <laughs> like he saw me warm up and I said, yeah, he's good. He's good to go. And um, and he just said, everything you asked, the horse did. The horse was happy. It was lovely. It was soft. It was loose, you know. But, you know, you said go forward, come up, drop down, flex. And he said, he said I gave you a nine and I crossed it out and I made it ten. I, I thought, what what more could you ask for a three-year-old mm, stallion mm. in surroundings it's not used to being in? Yep. And so for me, that's absolutely imperative to have into my breeding. Yep. And the other thing, Worldwide had a liquidity of movement. He might not have had huge athletic movement, but he had a softness and a lightness 
and an ease of going. And that also creates a soundness. He, he's, he was still sound at 23, mm. and I presume he's still sound today. And Rolex is still sound at 17. Yeah. If, if they go with a lack of tension, then they're not causing concussion and they're not wearing a particular joint. And touch wood, I've been very lucky to have very sound horses. Yeah. So, um, you know, for me, it's going to be temperament and a softness of movement. And now in the breeding, I'm trying to add like a little bit more suspension and a bit more lift. And hopefully you'll all see in the years to come that um, hopefully I can manage that. Just talking about soundness as well, the arena that you use, what arena are you using and are you working your horses on? Because you do cross-train them, but tell us a bit about the surface that they're working on as well. I um, ride in a very simple arena, Mm -hmm. and I've ridden in some really brilliant arenas that other people have, but mine's just double wash sand. And a lot of riders come and they say, oh, it's really heavy. But... I for me, I prefer it to be thicker and heavier. I don't want them to hit the subsurface, you know, yes. the, the base. I sometimes find when I compete that there's not enough surface. And if, um, like, I my paddocks are sandy, which is not so good for the horse's gut, but it's brilliant for their legs. Yep. They're strong. It's like if, if you and I go for a weekend holiday on the beach, our legs will ache at the end of the day mm. because we've ploughed through the sand. But my horses are strong and touch wood again. I've never had a ligament or tendon problem yep. because they're, they're really strong from that. But, but there's not much concussion. So before I go to a competition where there's a trot up, I will trot my horses up and down the um, driveway each day. Like mm-hmm. I'll, I ride them from the arena to the gate so they get used to a bit of concussion because yep. they're not actually, um, you know, they're not used to that, but yep. then I'll prepare them for that. But I think for soundness, it's, it's a whole combination. It's about warming up. It's yep. about not overfeeding the horses. Mm-hmm. I leave my horses out in the paddock so they're not stable. They might not look quite as pretty as some other horses. But I think that helps the soundness that they're always moving, their lymphatic system's always going, and to bandage them well. I think, you know, a really supportive bandage is really helpful. Yes, yes, yeah. And, and I so like the way that you said the, about the, the soundness being not just, you know, I mean, it's great to breathe horses that are sound, but, you know, you've talked about yeah, also yeah. the holistic nature of keeping horses sound, you know, the weight that they're carrying and the... Yeah, what the um, comparing and the preparation for the competitions and things. Yeah. Well, I I think a lot of um, dressage riders might forget that the horse is an athlete and they they want them to look like a show hack. Mm. And we are so much more than they do of a show hack. Yes. Do you know what I mean? A show hack yes. is a, a it's a, a beauty thing, and and yes, they have to perform, but it's. It's not as enduring and taxing on the horse as a dressage horse. And to me, if they're a little bit light on, they've got to be a bit like a thoroughbred or an aventor. They've mm. got to be strong and fit. Mm. And why, why do we like our horses plump, but we're supposed to look like a waif? You know, yes. <laughs> like to be, that's yes. a bit ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it's like that they can be well covered, but they have to be fit. There has mm. to be a lot of top line and they've got to be strong. 
and the cardio fit as well. So that's partly why I do the cross training is to mm. get them cardio, like to ride. I remember the first time I rode the Grand Prix Special, I got to the walk and I thought, thank God, I need an oxygen tank. <laughs> like the rider has to be fit as well, yes. you know. Yes. And and now if I ride the Special, it's, it's easy. But And I was a lot younger then when I rode the Special for the first time, but I, I thought, crikey, it's hard, it's hard work. Mm. Well, if it's hard work for us, then it, exactly. it needs to be hard work for them. And yep. I met, I often have lessons with Stefan Wolf when he's over, and he was saying we were preparing in the lesson for young horse class, and he said, Claire, at, at the end of the test, you have to be heaving. He said, that's how hard I want you to work. Yep. He said, maybe not in the warm-up, but in the test, you have to you have to get every stride out of that horse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have to both come out absolutely panting. Yeah. So yeah, but they need to be an athlete. Yes, yes. Just going back to your horses and horses who've influenced you. What do you think your proudest moment's been? Um, I think the proudest moment is at the Paralympics in 2012 when Joanne from Mosa won the gold medal on Worldwide. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually think I would ever, you know feel that emotion with someone else on he was my ex horse then. Yeah. But you know, I I'd had him for six years and he'd been a big part of my life. And she'd only had him seven, nine months before that success. And it was just extraordinary. It yeah. was yeah. the highest adrenaline and it was like he is an exceptional horse. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, it was it was an absolutely amazing roller coaster ride. Um, to, to actually, I was really glad we went and saw that. It was mm-hmm. fabulous. Yeah. Okay. Now, thinking about where you are now, you know, because you're breeding numerous horses, what do you think has been your biggest challenge to get the horses that you want? You know, I know you've bred some, but do you find them? Do you? You know, is it potluck? How many horses do you look at to get the breeding program that you want, to find the horses that you want and to have the horses to train that you want? What's the biggest challenge there? Um, I think I've been very lucky uh, to have Worldwide as the the foundation stallion for Tennis and Stud. I've had lots of opportunity in my life to breed and I've always said, no, I don't want to do that. And then I thought Worldwide to actually make money on him and lost money on him mm-hmm. um, but but that happens and he was a stallion and because he was a stallion I started breeding so it sort of fell into breeding okay. um, and then I chose a few mares and somehow each generation have I've managed to improve on them mm-hmm. and I don't I, I don't know how I put, what I put that down to it's it's been I've just said this horse has this I want to make sure I want to keep that but I would like to add that, and it it seems to be working. And now I have um, a super colt, a three-year-old Szechuan colt, which is very flash. So we have four embryo transfers expected this year. So that will be really exciting what he produces over the worldwide mares. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see what I wanted to stand him at stud last year, but I broke my arm and it was impossible. I couldn't drive and handle him. And okay. so I so I thought, well, um, at least I'll have some poles on the ground so that when I stand him at stud this year, people could come and have a look and say, 
and and I've got the mares here. They can say, okay, well that they're riding mares. Mm. That's why we took an embryo from them. They can say that mares produce this, you know, this mares produce that, and yeah, and then and that's why I've gone into um, the embryo transfers was. When I, I I had four or five mares, and you felt like each year the mare was costing you money to feed and, you know, the farrier and worm and stuff, so you felt like the mare had to produce something for you. Yeah. And with the embryos, I can say, I've got too many horses this year and not do it, or I'm going to sell that mare next year, so I would like to take as many embryos as I can, or that mare producing phenomenal you know, yes. so we'll, I, I have a mare who's lovely, but the foal she produces is exceptional, mm-hmm. you know. So then I now have her and her daughter and her granddaughter, so they're all breeding for me. Okay. And, yeah, so, so, so I'm finding that line's really, really working. So I will take more embryos from, from them than maybe some of the other mares. Mm-hmm. Now, just talking about you cross-training. How did you start cross-training? Let's talk about the benefits, the benefits you found in particular about the cross-training. Um, HRH, as I said before, is a little bit outside the square yep. and um, he you couldn't repeat anything twice with him. The training was very difficult because you did one shoulder in and one half <laughs> up. Um, and if it wasn't right, you couldn't go back and say, let's do it again with a bit more bend or a bit more forward. Um, so I used to also do a bit of training with Ollie Clatter and yes. he's obviously a jumper and he said one day, HH, when I first started each day, would often jack up and he'd say, right, forward, speed, gallop. And I said, he's insane, <laughs> you know, I'm going to get killed. But then, and I find with a lot of, I'm training a lot of young horses now and I say to people, make it fun, make it a game. It's kindergarten for them. Mm. I mean, they don't, they're not sitting here at university. Don't get them stale from the beginning. Say, come on, let's go forward. Yes. Let's, how about we go sideways? Don't make it so regimented. And, like, the horses that don't have a brilliant walk, I don't walk them in the arena. I'm lucky I'm on a 25-acre property. So then I, I walk down around the laneways of the paddock or I walk up to the front gate and I've got a little pine forest and walk around the pine forest. And then I come back. I do another 10 minutes, and then I walk up to the house. But it, all, it, it teaches them when they're out of the arena, they walk forward. They're looking yep. around, you know, they've got natural impulsion. And then it's also good to say, and now we go back and now we do a bit more. Yes. Because that's what happens in a competition. You warm up and then you go to the gear check and then you've got to go again. And yep. in the past, I've had horses that go, no, no, I'm done. <laughs> but now mine know they, they might leave the arena three times in a session and yeah. go back. Yeah. And I'd like to move in the near future and I would like to ride, put a riding paddock next to the arena. So if you say the horse medium canter, like go forward and it doesn't, it's just you can't get it in front of your leg. You say, rightio, out in the two acre paddock and let's have a gallop. Yep. Or let's go over jump. Like like give an opportunity to get them forward and truly in front of your leg and that they actually enjoy it. And I there's so much benefit of riding on a hill. And on level ground, so I had in my mind I was going to have this perfectly level riding paddock and I was riding on my neighbour's 20 acres and it's just very gently undulating. And it was really interesting 
Uh, my stallions struggle going downhill, and a mare that's really talented and got huge extended trot, she actually found it really difficult going uphill. And it mm. made me as a rider really sit upright. Yes, yes. I'm thinking I'm going to somersault over the hill, over the head if I'm not careful. Jermaine, I remember I rode four out in the paddock one day, and that night I couldn't sit down. Like my thighs were killing me yep. because it just sat differently. But you see the weaknesses and that you might not see in an arena when you're out. Mm. You know, you, the, the horse. Some horses aren't um, as concentrated. Yeah. And that'll be the same in a competition. Yeah. So then you have to work on some relaxation techniques and getting them a bit switched on. And, you know, some horses, yeah, like I said, aren't so strong down and some aren't so strong up. And some find the smaller, tighter work harder. And some actually don't close up when they see an open space. They yeah. actually get intimidated by it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And working over Cavaletti and I'm not a jumper, but, you know, small jumps or logs yeah. or, you know, giving them a bit of fun. It's, and for Legro, they ride out, you know. The, yeah. Um, Carl and Charlotte are very good at all that. Yeah, yeah. That's the next thing I was going to say is, you know, just in your schedule, because you're even saying that, that within your arena work, you say, right, I'm going to ride out and then go back into the arena and then go out and then back in. As a percentage, you know, for training your horses, and it might vary from your young horses to your older, I don't know, what percentage would you ride out of the arena and what percentage would you be in the arena? Probably only 30% out, yep. but but that's at my next place I want to set it up that I have like a riding track around the paddocks yes. and, yeah, and I have a big open, like a, just, just a big paddock that I might put the broodmares in for two weeks, you know, to eat down, but then I can move the horses and, and set up some cavalletti poles and ride in a big open space because especially for the young ones, they don't need they don't need a corner every sixty or twenty meters, mm. you know? Mm. And HRH I had huge problems, even though he did beautiful changes, it took two years to get a flying change. Okay. And then I had huge problems with tempi changes. And the only way I got them is I was living still at home at Box Hill, and there was a 10-acre paddock. And I rode him around the edge of the paddock, and I said, four-time changes. Okay. And I did 500 of them. Yep. Till I got four of them, right? Mm-hmm. But I never would have got them across the diagonal, ever, 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 ever with that horse. Yeah. But I just went four-time changes till we get them, three-time changes till we get them. Do you know what I mean? And you yeah. can use – I would like to train a lot more out. I just don't really have the setup here. But, yeah, that's – that's what I want in future. That I I I have a, a really good setup that I can you can train half pass and extension and I mean like I was saying that a horse walks forward well it will passage forward it will extend better you know if it's got a big space to do it mm, mm. and I remember Cal and Lieutenant said it's very good to um, do passage downhill okay it yep. makes the horse really sit behind and carry yep. yeah. And and the chiropractors told me to rein back uphill with some horses okay. to help strengthen their loins. You know, there's there's so many exercises you can do. And he's even said with some horses a little weak on one side to rein back like sideways, you know, okay. on their weak side, higher up the hill. Then, yeah. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. 
horsechats.com. I think that's a, probably a couple of good tips there that you've just given, you know, to do with different uses of cross-training and, and cross-training just the use of the heels, the galloping, you know, the, the, even the jumping or just the cavaletti and, and just going out. Yeah, yeah. And I've even taken my horses to places and free jump them, just yeah. those horses that will never need to jump. Mm-hmm. But just it, it's really good gymnastic exercise. It teaches them to stretch their neck and let go of their back. Yeah. Um, and then with some horses, I often uh, pay a rider to jump them, to take them to jump club. I bred a horse that um, won Young Event Horse of the Year. Okay. Because I he didn't like to collect and he actually liked to really go forward. And I thought, well, and, and he'll be fine to collect later. But mm. so as a young horse, he wanted to go. Yep. And I saw that talent as soon as I sat on him. And, yeah, at, I can't remember if it was four or five, but he won Young Event Horse. Oh, good. So, good. Claire, have you got a book or, you know, you might have a couple of books that you'd recommend to our listeners, just something that's going to complement their training? Um, I've always really enjoyed uh, The Principles of Writing, which yes. is a German handbook. Probably one of our most popular books, yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when I was younger, it's probably quite a favourite book now, it was Franz Moringa's book, mm-hmm. Horses Are Made to Be Horses. And that would probably be our second most popular book, yep. <laughs> <laughs> And then I have on my coffee table um, Harry Bolt's book, The Dressage okay. Horse. Yes, yes. Yeah, and that, that's a really great book too. And remember, you can find all the books recommended by our guests at horsechats.com slash books. You can have a look at the guest page for the individual book they recommended or just look at the recommended books by order of popularity at horsechats.com slash books. So, Claire, what are you looking forward to now? Oh, um, for the future with HB Sonata, who is my Szechuan Colt, I have some. I have probably have the best horses I've ever had in my lifetime. I I've got way too many horses, and I'd like to get <laughs> down to five of my own. And most professional riders don't even own their own horses, but I really enjoy it. like. For me, I, I want to work, I want to breed mm-hmm. to produce a horse that I couldn't afford to buy. Yep. And it would get, it gives you added pleasure to think that you've bred that horse on top of training it. So, I you know, I'm, I love helping my clients and training other people's horses and coaching. I get a lot of joy out of that. But, um, yes, I have the, the best group of horses uh, I've ever had. So the the future is really exciting with that. I'm looking forward to moving in next year. I'd like to move to Southern Highlands. It's a great network of people down there. And for me, a better climate. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, that's where you set up your um, your extra riding area next year. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So a little bit of a fresh start and just to get a little bit more. I, I, I have to say I did lose a little bit of the passion for it a while. And now I'm just trying to reinvent it, and and it's great cross training the horses, but I actually have to, you know, I have to bring the joy back in it for yeah. me. Yeah. And um, that's I'm I'm trying to work on a life balance and not if not all horses, so mm-hmm. that when I do my horses, it's an absolute joy again. Yeah. You know, um, because otherwise it can become tedious and hard work and draining. Sure. Yeah. So I, I, so I, I want I want to I want to bring bring that back in and 
I've had been unfortunate. I've had a whole lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to get healthy and fit. I'm doing a, a lot of Pilates now, and I'm really enjoying that, and that's totally changing my strength and body shape. Yeah, so I'm, I'm getting older. I need to concentrate and get the best I can out of, you know, my writing time that I have left. I think um, what's something you said about, you know, you were just getting a bit stale. I think people have got to remember why they wanted to work with horses. What is the best thing? You know, and thinking back to that conversation we had earlier where I said, I think your eyes just glazed over. I think, yes, you're certainly enjoying it at the moment. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah. All right. Now, just in a few sentences, would you be able to summarise your philosophy with horses? I believe that the horse needs to be happy and content and there has to be a connection and a communication between the horse and rider that the horse has a willingness to learn and to give and to create as much as it possibly can. Yep. And as a rider, we have to understand the horse's limitations and generally not ask more than it can give. Each, you know, some are more talented in different areas. And I like the horse to be elastic and seamless and supple and just a lightness and ease of going. Yep. That's, that's really important to me, that it, there's a softness and a willingness. That's what I'm really passionate about. Okay, okay. All right, and Claire, how can people contact you? What's the best ways? I have a Facebook page, Claire Wickens, and a business page, Tennis and Stud. I have just started an Instagram account. I'm currently getting my website redone, so that'll be clairewickens.com.au. Okay, and those details will be on horsechats.com slash clairewickens or you can go to horsechats.com and search for Claire. So, Claire, if you think of any others, um, just let us know. We'll put all those details on that page. So if people want to contact you, there'll be a couple of different ways they can get through to you. Okay, thanks very much. That's okay. Claire, there was lots of tips there, lots of reasons to go out and cross-train horses. I think you're getting lots of joy out of having your horses. Tips there for breeding as well. Uh, Yeah, I think there was just lots of tips right through the whole conversation that we had. So I'd like to say thank you very much for your time today and we'd love to see you again sometime soon. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Good. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.